A, B, C. Always be closing. Always be closing. Always be closing. A, B, C. A, always B, B, C, closing. Always be closing. The leads are weak. The leads are weak. Fucking leads are weak. You're weak. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> you know why, mister? Because you drove a Hyundai to get here tonight. I drove an $80,000 BMW. That's my name. If you do not have a signed contract, you must always be closing until the contract is signed, Indianapolis Colts. Don't blame Josh McDaniels because he changed his mind. This is a free country. We are allowed to change our mind up until the moment we sign on the dotted line. That's how employment commitments are executed in the United States according to our laws. Yet Josh McDaniels is being derided with every pejorative in the English language. Coward. Douchebag. Weasel. Yes, right. Yeah. Someone came over the top of the Indianapolis Colts pitching Josh McDaniels a better proposal, and he took it. It's simple. It's not complicated, and it's not unethical. It's a dangerous game to hire a coach headed to the Super Bowl. It's a risky maneuver because while other coaches are free to sign and start the process of setting up their entire coaching operation during the playoffs, the teams that want to hire the Super Bowlers have to wait. And while they wait, other qualified candidates are getting hired. This is why it's unwise to recruit the Super Bowl coaches. You can recruit coaches from any other team. There are 32 teams. You don't need to recruit from the Super Bowl teams. That decision alone put the Indianapolis Colts at a disadvantage, just like it put the Detroit Lions at a disadvantage. Now, ideally, the Indianapolis Colts simply pivot to recruiting Frank Reich, another Super Bowl coach. And I couldn't tell you who's better, Frank Reich or Josh McDaniels. Based on their recent win-loss records, they're both great. I don't know. How do you measure the quality of a coach? You can't because you could never detangle the contribution of the coach from the ability of the players. So we're always left to wonder how much of Tom Brady's excellence is due to Josh McDaniels. We've seen Brady with and without Josh McDaniels, and in both cases, he's been good. So I don't know. I've never seen the Philadelphia Eagles win the Super Bowl without Frank Reich. So why not Frank Reich? If I had to pick a former player archetype to hire as a head coach, it would be the backup quarterback. And Frank Reich was the quintessential quality backup quarterback in the NFL. Their job is to study the opponent and the playbook and be prepared. That's the job of the backup quarterback. So I hope the Indianapolis Colts can dry their tears, get themselves together, and successfully pitch and close Frank Reich. And the sports media gas bags need to leave Josh McDaniels alone. He made the right decision. He's staying with one of the best-run organizations in sports that gives him a better chance to win should he eventually be elevated to head coach. And the assumption is, of course. Always fun to check the Benjamin Albright timeline in times like this. And he never disappoints. Albright writes, Source told me McDaniels was assured he's the Pats' next head coach as part of the deal. We shall see. No shit, Benjamin. <laughs> Way to read the tea leaves there, right? <laughs> Duh. 
That timeline is just unfalsifiable positions, baseless speculation, and blatantly obvious yet source-based commentary. Ah, yes. So helpful. But Josh McDaniels was wise to avoid the Indianapolis Colts. This is not a well-run organization. The New England Patriots have the Kraft Analytics Group. They have a player personnel department that understands how to mine value in the NFL draft and in free agency. They have a culture in place that helps players to maximize their ability. The well-oiled machine is in place in Foxborough. It is not in Indianapolis. Now, you can build it, but like Chip Kelly helped to build a forward-thinking organization in Philadelphia, he wasn't leading the team when the breakthrough occurred, and my fear with Josh McDaniels is that he would help to elevate the team and put them on a trajectory for success, but because the team is currently talent-deficient and leadership deficient, and culture deficient. He would have to endure more losing seasons, and it would cost him his job. And the uncertainty that is swirling around Andrew Luck is just too much uncertainty to bear if you're the number one coaching recruit. That's what Josh McDaniels is. The most coveted assistant coach in football. You don't go to a team with an amorphous keystone player at the top of the offense. That's just not prudent. It's been a year since Andrew Luck had shoulder surgery and he is still not throwing. After spending six weeks in the Netherlands. That's right. Why did Andrew Luck go to the Netherlands for six weeks? To get the Kobe treatment. Right? The platelet-rich plasma injections. What else is in that plasma that is illegal in the United States? Hmm. Hmm. If we can wonder how Tom Brady is able to sustain quarterback performances at the highest level into his 40s, naturally, it's natural to question how Andrew Luck is attempting to rebuild a botched shoulder reconstruction. If I'm Josh McDaniels, I would have grave concerns about this. He's had the Kobe treatment in Europe. It's been over a year. He's still not throwing. And just as important, the Indianapolis Colts have one of the most talent-deficient defenses and an offensive line that is neither effective at pass blocking nor run blocking. So what do you have to build around? Malik Hooker, T.Y. Hilton, and a franchise quarterback that may never play again. I'm sure Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft laid out this case, the counter-argument to taking the job with the Colts. And they succeeded. My only question is, how the hell did Josh McDaniels even get this far with the Colts? Thankfully, he came to his senses and he pulled his candidacy at the last minute before signing. It doesn't count until you have a wet signature. The Colts didn't have one. They couldn't close Josh McDaniels, even though Josh McDaniels and GM Chris Ballard share the same agent. <laughs> There's one agent that represents numerous front office executives, power broker, and he's to blame as well. He relinquished Josh McDaniels as a client to save face with his other clients who were horrified that didn't respect the sanctity of the handshake agreement. But for the Colts, all is not lost. It starts with finding a coach who is willing to be the first boots on the beach, a likely sacrificial lamb in the Colts' rebuilding process because they are rebuilding the right way. You look at their draft last season, 
Chris Ballard knows what he's doing. One of the best value picks in the first round, Malik Hooker at tremendous value, slot 15. And then in the second round, they did the smart thing by drafting a cornerback. That was the move last season to draft a cornerback. The strongest position group in the 2017 draft was cornerback. So you improved your odds by dipping into the cornerback pool in the second round. Quincy Wilson wasn't the right pick. I would have selected either Obi Melanfanwu or Chidobe Awuze. I had those cornerbacks ranked higher. However, I agree with targeting cornerback in that particular round. Terrell Bashem, the edge rusher from Ohio, was a smart pick in round three. I love drafting the small school edge rushers in round three, a la Derek Rivers. They drafted a quality guard in Zach Banner from USC in round four. I agree with drafting guards in round four, generally speaking, as well as running backs in the late fourth round. And Marlon Mack was the best running back on the board at pick 143. Excellent value in Marlon Mack. So the Colts are moving in the right direction. And if Andrew Luck can fully rehabilitate his shoulder, they will quickly launch into an upward trajectory. No question. But Josh McDaniels wasn't the right hire at this time in the organization's evolution. They need a space holder coach, a bridge to the next Doug Peterson. So Colts fans need to get over it. It wasn't the right hire for the Colts, and it wasn't the right hire for Josh McDaniels. And next time, close the deal. And it's interesting, by far and away the most popular tweets sent from the at Roto Underworld account recently are the cornerback advanced metrics. I think many of you are enjoying the fact that the cornerback pages are now free and open to the public. No password required. But the way you get more out of it is by signing up for data analysis. Click on data analysis at the top and you can do what we do. Our data analysis command center is both easy and sophisticated. You don't need a computer. You don't need software experience. You can select target separation. You can select fantasy points allowed per snap and break down the strengths and weaknesses of cornerbacks or running backs or quarterbacks, just like a Roto Underworld Pro with data analysis. Playerprofiler.com forward slash data dash analysis. And the beauty is it's so much more affordable than other advanced metrics analysis services, which as we're well aware, are charging up to $200 for access to advanced stats. Oh no, we charge a fifth of that price. You're welcome. And you'll also be pleased to know that we will be welcoming Colm Kelly to the show today. Another show favorite. He's the new czar of podcasts at Rotoviz. He runs OvertimeIreland.com. Check him out there and follow him on Twitter at OvertimeIreland. Welcome to the Roto Underworld Radio Program, Colm Kelly. That's right, Colm Kelly is... The best of the Kellys. (laughs) (laughs) The grand master producer of podcasts at Rotoviz. He also hosts a podcast, Overtime Ireland, and is the proprietor of OvertimeIreland.com. Colm Kelly, talk to me. How's it going, my man? My man. Kelly Squared on the Roto Underworld Radio program. I think we have a, we have a lot to live up to here, Matt. Uh, you know, with you when you come on my show now, and when I'm uh, the second time over here on the Underworld podcast, uh, you know, there's a, a lot, a lot of feedback comes our way. So we'll see what we come up with here. We had a few uh, real gems on the on the last edition. <laughs> yes, you can see those that are familiar with the show know 
what I'm doing here. Bringing on J.J. Zacharyson before that, Evan Silva to kick off 2018. Show favorites. We're playing the hits, Colm. <laughs> You're a hit. You're a show favorite. I love to play the hits. When the lights come on, I don't hit you with deep tracks. I play the hits. And we're kicking off 2018 with the hits. And the Super Bowl was a hit. It certainly was. Did you watch that game? The Super Bowl game that they had? I, I watched, uh, yeah, I did watch that Super Bowl game that they had, as you put it. Uh, I watched it, and um, unfortunately for me, I was working on Monday with uh, the listeners there that aren't aware there's a, a five-hour time difference between the East Coast and the U.S. and uh, Ireland here. So I was watching that game until just before 4 a.m. had to get up for work then at 7 a.m. So very, very, uh, very, very tired day on Monday. So usually, you know, I have a you know a bit of a Super Bowl party, you know, have a lot of uh, way too much to drink. But unfortunately for this one, it was uh, quite a sober affair for myself. But uh, a real, real good game. Uh, you know, we've been, we've, we've been blessed over the last, I would say, uh, pretty much from the Giants uh, Patriots Super Bowl is all the way through we haven't really had a game outside of I suppose the Seahawks against the Broncos that really went incredibly one-sided and finished that way we had a one-sided game last year but obviously the Patriots did come back and win that one so they what the Patriots came back <laughs> uh, they came back last year and won in the Super Bowl the Falcons were up 28-3 no one comes back from that the win probability was 99.9% Falcons winning the game in the third quarter. Did you turn off the TV then? Did you watch? I think the Patriots did come back and win. I'm checking the box scores right now. Get out of here. No way. Oh, look at that. How the fuck did they do that? Holy shit, they did come back. Whoa, that's amazing. <laughs> Tom Brady's the best athlete of all time. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So much fun. But we've had a real, real good run, so uh, thankfully this was another one. I'm sure we're going to get a, a Super Bowl coming up very shortly that really stinks, but thankfully we've had a, a good run over the last kind of six or seven years. Thanks for that. I mean, is that really <laughs> what you're going to do on the show? You're, <laughs> you're gonna, <laughs> you really are doing your best to take over for Matthew Friedman at Rotoviz. <laughs> Matthew Friedman, the infamous Roto Underworld Radio wet blanket guest. The Super Bowl we were treated to was the perfect game. And you found the one minuscule detail that you could criticize, which is it was so good, and we've had so many good games consecutively that just based on probabilities, we're due for a bad game, guys. That's where your headspace goes. Three days removed from the Super Bowl. Thanks a lot, Colm. Cheer up, buddy. Cheer the fuck up. <laughs> I've done the research into it, and uh, there is a probability of uh, 99.42% that next year's Super Bowl is going to be an absolute suck fest. <laughs> a suck fest. Wow, really pulling out the sophisticated <laughs> vocabulary. I think one way to solve your problem, the three-hour sleep problem that you suffered through, and all of us had to deal with the problem of getting up for work the next day and not functioning at 100% capacity, just move the game to Saturday. Yep. How hard is this? Move the game to Saturday. It should be Super Bowl Saturday, not Super Bowl Sunday. There's no reason not to have it on Saturday. It's just an old tradition that adds no value. Nothing is happening on Saturday. You might as well move it to Saturday. It's not like you're crowding out some college football game. No, there's nothing happening that Saturday. Move it to Saturday. Problem solved. Exactly. So the Patriots lost the game. And with that loss, does that signify the end of the Patriots dynasty? Uh, it kind of feels that way, to be honest. There seems to be... Oh, really? Yeah. 
Oh, look at this. I was not expecting this. I was expecting to be all alone with my hot take, like a little candle, right? Like a candle to stay warm and the snow is coming <laughs> down and I'm huddled under an awning, just trying to stay warm with a little fire that I've built, my little candle just to stay warm, just my little hot take all by myself in the cold. And here you are ambling over, joining me at this small hot take. Now you should add a little bit more fuel and then we can build this up, become a real fire, Colm. Patriots Dynasty's over! It's over! It's all over. Yes! Yes! I find a lot of people send to me last week. I picked uh, for the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. I had picked, my prediction was 27 to 17, which was a 10 point win. And I was getting people send to me, you know, in different forums on Twitter and different chats on, you know, different uh, Slack chats and that that I'm involved in. Well, you were wrong there. The, the the thing that you were wrong about in hindsight that you should have seen in hindsight was the over was going to hit. So you could say yeah. the Patriots would win by 10, but the score guess should have been 37-27, 40-30, something like that. 27-17 way too low knowing the Patriots' defense was one of the worst in the league according to Football Outsiders' DVOA metric. Well, uh, Mr. Hindsight, thanks for uh, letting me know about that. But before the game... I would have told you that before. Text me. <laughs> I'm about to place a bet, Matt. Over or under? And I would have said, fucking over, Colm. Way over. I went plus five with the, the Eagles. I didn't need to, to go on the over or on the under. Nice. Very good. Nice. Good bet. Good bet. Good job. Good job, buddy. My original point was that uh, I was being told that that was a real kind of bold take, and I didn't feel it was based on the kind of information I looked into prior to the game. And I had a couple other people who were on board with the same kind of thought scenario, but I was... Well, the point total was was idiotic. Yeah, pretty much. But it was, uh, you know... You should have seen that coming. Before the game, the thought I had was that this Patriots team, although they have... The point total was absurd. Can it ease... The... Yeah, do you want to say it again? <laughs> <laughs> the uh my point before the game was that uh, the, this pa patriots team although they have kind of cruised their way through the afc and they have looked that way all season the afc was one of the poorer standards that it has been over the last five years and outside of the steelers and the jaguars there really wasn't a lot there to cause them a huge amount of concern so it looked like they were always going to be favorites to get to the super bowl but i think over the last five years this is probably the worst patriots team that we have seen in terms i know they had a lot of injuries but i should have uh Rob Gronkowski and Tom Brady prior to the game. They didn't have a lot of injuries. What are you talking about? Dante Hightower and Julian Edelman. Compared to past years, they've won Super Bowls with a lot more injuries than that. They had a healthy yeah. Nate Solder. They had a healthy Tom Brady. They had a healthy Rob Gronkowski. They had a healthy Brandon Cooks uh, for a play or two. <laughs> two minutes. And they had a healthy Malcolm Butler. They had the pieces they needed to win. Oh, we'll talk about Malcolm Butler in a minute, but, uh, you know, he was healthy, but he, he wasn't involved. But I, I thought that if you look at the game, this was my... Malcolm Butler wasn't involved? The, no, he wasn't. Huh. But, but this is my comment before the game. Wonder why that is. Before the game last week was uh, the fact that outside of uh, Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski, maybe Stefan Gilmore, there's nobody on that Patriots roster that I was really going to take and put in ahead of what was on the Eagles roster. And I think that's the case as well, that the, the Patriots roster overall, as I mentioned, isn't as strong as it has been in past years. And with that then, obviously Tom Brady, we, he didn't decline this year, but he's getting older. We see some shuffling around with the coaching staff. Obviously, we've seen 
less shuffling happen over the last kind of 24 hours as they've decided to change their mind. But uh, I just think in a general situation, there's probably a little going on behind the scenes that we don't know about all that much. And uh, then with Tom Brady getting older, it just can't go on forever. They've traded away Jimmy Garoppolo, which I think is going to turn out to be a really, really stupid decision as we no. look forward in a couple of seasons. But I think I think it's over. Yes, it is over. Because if you look at the talent disparity between those two rosters, you're absolutely right. The oh, Eagles no, yeah. are significantly more talented when you just go down position by position. We have this metric on playerprofiler.com called value over stream, which shows the point differential on a per-game basis of the player versus what the replacement level asset gives you on a per-game basis. So if you look at all the players on the Eagles roster and look at their value over the replacement player available in free agency, there is significantly more value over replacement on that Eagles roster than there is on the Patriots roster. And more good news for the Eagles, those talented players are locked up on inexpensive contracts or rookie contracts. The contract Alshon Jeffrey signed in the offseason was laughable. I was shocked by the low amount of guaranteed money that the Eagles committed to Alshon Jeffrey. To get a premium, prototypical NFL X receiver, a go-to player in clutch situations, a guy you can throw it to in the back of the end zone, in the red zone, or from, oh, I don't know, the 40-yard line... A threat to score a touchdown on any given play, that Alshon Jeffrey, to get that player at value in free agency was a masterstroke by Howie Roseman. And so as the Eagles just stack the chips and stack the chips, they get this incremental advantage over other franchises. The Patriots are losing that advantage because they now have to pay Tom Brady well over $20 million in 2018, and they have to pay Brandon Cooks and Rob Gronkowski, and the pieces that they used to have at value are no longer great value, and they do not have the draft position, the draft capital in future drafts to restock. So it's going to be very challenging for the Patriots to continue to rebuild on the fly as they have with the Burkheads and the Chris Hogans. You can't play that game forever. And even with this wide talent disparity, the Patriots were still in a position to win in spite of themselves, in spite of Bill Belichick betraying Tom Brady by benching Malcolm Butler, not for the first quarter, not for the first half, for the entire game, their best corner, a critical component of the defense, a player who would be instrumental in throttling the production of both Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar, was not in the fucking game. He played one snap on special teams. I was offended by this. I'm mad at Bill Belichick because I couldn't enjoy that game as much as I wanted to because I was staring at the sidelines the entire game waiting for Malcolm Butler to get in the game, and he never did. Fuck Bill Belichick for that... (laughs) bold arrogance i know that the stubborn ornery nfl coach archetype is a thing i understand that we're all well aware of it but when loyalty to ethos over pragmatism that in-game personnel decision cost the patriots the game and it's inexcusable and tom brady would be right to be enraged because he could have tied michael jordan with six championships all all Bill Belichick had to do was temper his ego just enough to allow Malcolm Butler to at least play the second half of the game. I mean, fuck! Go ahead. I agree. I think that it's a, a case where 
Belichick, you know, fair enough if you're in, the, you know, week 16, you're already in the playoffs. Fair enough if it's week one, week two, week three. But when it's uh, the Super Bowl and it's all on the line to, you know, to not play him, as you mentioned, at all, actually the one snap and special teams was ridiculous. We've seen a number of plays where I think that Malcolm Butler would have been hugely effective. Uh, you know, even that deep touchdown pass you mentioned to Alshon Jeffrey. There was just a, a number of different plays where very, very simply by putting players in the right position, they would have done a lot better. One thing that Belichick does so well is have players in the position to make those plays. And by shuffling around the defense to have Malcolm Butler sitting on the sideline was just... Uh, Really, really stupid. I- it was egregious, Colm. It was egregious. Malcolm Butler posted a 55.7 catch rate allowed. That's good. 0.97 target separation. So 0.97 yards of separation at target. That was top five in the NFL. Malcolm Butler is smothering. He posted 11 pass breakups last season. That was top 25 in the NFL. He allowed a bunch of touchdowns, but otherwise he was very effective as he was the previous season. Inexcusable. Is it inexcusable of Josh McDaniels jilting the Indianapolis Colts at the altar? I mean, they were ready to get married. (laughs) The Colts were on one knee, had the ring. McDaniels said yes. This was happening. He was boxing up his belongings and packing up his locker, Colm. And suddenly, the next thing we know, he's staying in New England. And football fans are enraged. But you know who's even more enraged? Members of the sports media. Yeah. Oh, yes. They're enraged by Josh McDaniels' douchebag behavior. That's what I'm (laughs) reading on social media. Is Josh McDaniels a douchebag? I think uh, we're going to have now Josh Douchebag McDaniels. Well, it'll be in quotations for the rest of the time, but... Ah, this is a stupid situation to you know if you go this far into it i think you really you have made your mind up the thing i'm pretty much uh disappointed in josh mcdaniels by is the fact that uh, by all accounts the backroom staff that he had assembled have signed contracts with uh, the indianapolis Colts already they have been breaking down tape and pretty much getting ready for josh mcdaniels to stroll <laughs> through the door and Hey, Josh, we're over here. Look at us over in Indianapolis getting ready for uh, 2018, getting ready for the season. Andrew looks super healthy and ready to go. And then Josh McDaniels just says, I'm staying over here with Bill Belichick. I have to think that there is something to, you know, the rumors that are going around that, you know, there's, it looks like Josh McDaniels could potentially after next season take over from Bill Belichick. That's You think? No. That is the only reason. Really? Because that would circumvent the Rooney rule. No way. No way. These NFL teams would never dream of making a backroom promise that circumvents the Rooney rule, Colm. Do you realize what you're accusing the Patriots of doing? That would be unethical. No, I just, I don't believe it. It'll be similar to the Oakland Raiders this year, I think. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Sadly, this is how business is done in the NFL, but I just don't feel bad. It's hard for me to feel bad. It's business. It's business. These things happen. It'd be one thing if I thought coaching was a significant driver of NFL player performance, but I don't believe that to be the case. I think whoever the Colts find to be their head coach will put his his team in a position to win, assuming it's not one of these failed retread coaches like a Jeff Fisher. (laughs) You can't hire a Mike Malarkey or a Jeff Fisher or even a Bruce Arians. You can't hire one of these people. You have to go outside the NFL cocoon and hire a college coach. So all the Colts need to do is hire an innovative college coach. It's an easy solution. That's why I don't feel bad for the Colts. If the Colts instead go out and hire a Jeff Fisher, that's on the Colts. 
That's not on Josh McDaniels. The Colts couldn't close Josh McDaniels. They assumed they had hired Josh McDaniels without a signed contract, and they made a bad assumption. So the Colts have no one to blame but themselves. This is also why you don't hire a coach who's going to be in the Super Bowl, because you cost your team weeks of preparation. If you were so hell-bent on getting this one guy and you didn't have a backup plan, you deserve to be put in a state of turmoil at this moment. Because you know what happens when you assume, right, Colm? You make an ass of uh, me. When you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. Oh, yeah, that's what it is. When you assume, Colm, when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. And that's what the Colts did. They made an ass of themselves and their fans. Ha, 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 ha! Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> sorry, suckers. Good for Josh McDaniels. He stays with an organization that has an analytics arm called Craft Analytics. That's where you want to be. You want to be on a team that has all the necessary infrastructure to help you go out and beat a team that's leveraging analytics in every area of the organization like the Philadelphia Eagles. The Patriots are equipped to compile the talent on the roster to go out and one day post Belichick, post Brady, challenge the Philadelphia Eagles. Because we talked about this earlier, it's established the current Patriots dynasty is over. It's over. But McDaniels could go out and establish a second Patriots dynasty with the infrastructure that's available in New England. That infrastructure does not exist in Indianapolis. And you don't want to be the one charged with building that infrastructure from scratch. Look what happened to Chip Kelly. Smart move by Josh McDaniels. And the Colts are a bunch of suckers. <laughs> we talked about Jeff Fisher would be the worst case scenario for the Colts. And that makes me think of the Rams. Who's this year's Rams? The team that will have the most unexpected franchise rebirth. Resurgence. I like the word resurgence. I was going to say resurgence. I say resurgence all the time, so I decided to go with a different word, rebirth. Rejuvenated? I don't like rejuvenated. <laughs> Whatever! Which team is going to be the next Rams? I think it's... Uh, uh, I don't want to... Uh, is the San Francisco 49ers too much of a you know a, an easy call? Why? Oh, because it's one simple reason. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is the greatest quarterback of all time. Good one. Any other reason? No, that's fine. You're not prepared. That's fine. We'll go on to the next question. You're clearly not prepared. Which non-running back was the biggest surprise performer for you last season? Because you can't say Alvin Kamara, you can't say Todd Gurley. Those are the two automatic go-tos for fantasy analysts. I'm preventing you from going running back. Pick a non-running back, and you're also not allowed to say Adam Thielen. Okay, there's so, so many rules for this one, but uh, I've got a guy. There's two rules. Not a running back, not Adam Thielen. Two rules, very simple rules. The parameters couldn't be more simple. Uh, I still feel it's a lot of rules, but anyway, my answer is uh, Deshaun Watson, quarterback for the uh, Houston Texans. I, I really didn't have high hopes for him coming into the season. I think he might have been in, the, in a similar situation, but up until his injury, uh, looked extremely, extremely good and really blew me away with what he was able to do. Uh, finished up until his injury with a, a 61.8 completion percentage, 1,699 yards, 19 touchdowns to eight interceptions. Was the, the TDs to interceptions that really uh, surprised me in this and was arguably playing at an MVP level prior to that injury. So uh, Deshaun Watson was somebody who wasn't really on my radar uh you know in fantasy terms outside of two quarterback leagues and obviously he came in and lit things up at the at the tender age of 22 it's funny i'm in a number of listener leagues the very best members of this audience 
those that respect my time and appreciate this show the most, they go to patreon.com, they search Podfather, and they join the listener community. And one of the things I do for the listeners is create these listener leagues. And in Dynasty Startups and Dynasty Rookie Drafts last season, I'm competing against 11 others that listen to the show and have internalized my analysis. So guess what happens? I was able to draft Deshaun Watson and Cooper Cup in the fourth round of these rookie drafts. <laughs> so somehow, some way, I end up overweight on Deshaun Watson and Cooper Cup in Roto Underworld Listener Leagues. It was a beautiful thing. And when you look at the TD rate, this is something that J.J. Zacharyson recommended. Go back to last season, look at the TDs, look at the number of touchdowns per attempt, and you find the quarterbacks that exceeded expectations the most, that, that rose to the top of that TD rate metric last season. And you have to expect that those quarterbacks will be overdrafted. And sure enough, Deshaun Watson's TD rate in 2017 was unsustainable. I don't think anyone would deny that. And so I will not be drafting Deshaun Watson in any league this coming season. If anything, I will be trading him in the dynasty leagues in which I have him rostered because I don't believe this is sustainable. I think last season was an outlier season for a player with the weakest throwing arm in the NFL. Now, clearly, clearly Deshaun Watson demonstrated to the world that you can succeed in the NFL with a weak throwing arm. 49 miles per hour throw velocity and you can still succeed his throwing arm is even weaker than Tyrod Taylor's and yet he was number one in fantasy points per game before he tore his ACL and there's absolutely no way he can come close to matching that next season do you agree oh, I, I agree uh, 100% and during the season that was my other kind of view on it you know and the other part of that was Will Fuller his touchdown rate was obviously never going to continue at what he was doing I've never seen a touchdown rate that high I've never seen yeah, it was crazy a yards per touch as high as Alvin Kamara last season and I've never seen a touchdown rate as high as Will Fuller with Deshaun Watson last season I mean those two rate stats were the most flabbergasting in 2017 to me yeah and I but if I look at it you know I think Kamara could I don't think he'll be able to do what he did this year in terms of that efficiency but I think he'll get a bigger workload next year we're not allowed to talk about Alvin Kamara I'm sorry this is my ah. fault but on this particular question we're not allowed to talk about Alvin Kamara and we're not allowed to talk about Todd Gurley I gave you the opening and I'm going to take it away I'm closing the door We've only talked about Alvin Kamara for 70 hours total on this show in 2017. I'm not going to waste time in 2018 talking about Alvin Kamara. I'm not going to do it. What do you think about Alvin Kamara this season? Player X last year had a really efficient season and uh, had a huge outlay, but uh, Player X, I think, could do that this year, uh, but he's going to have to do it on a bigger workload and less uh, efficiency around that. The other player that we mentioned was Will Fuller. I think there's absolutely no way that Will Fuller will be able to do that in 2018 coming up here. So um, Player X, though, is really, really good and should be on all fantasy teams in 2018. <laughs> I love Player X so much. Player X was the signature league winner of 2017. I made the playoffs in every league in which I drafted Player X. I love Player X. <laughs> Player X for the win. Player fucking X. I loved Player X last summer. 
That was probably my biggest hot take hit. Who was your biggest hot take hit from last summer? Um, last summer, uh, well, probably around August, uh, you were on my podcast, the OTI podcast, and we were talking about what we thought were some uh, bold predictions that we could uh, head on for the 2017 season and you know i'm a green bay packers fan and one that i thought even for myself was really kind of out there to be to be shouting about last year at the, uh, that stage of the season that was that Devontae adams was going to outtake uh, the wide receiver one role for the packers obviously jordy nelson was coming back off the injury but he literally did out uh, score him in pretty much every statistical category i played him uh, nelson ne- yeah nelson looked like he lost a step so literally is the correct word there and uh, looked like he lost a step looked 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 like he lost his step let's be nice about it this is why i do not recommend tearing an acl in your 30s so great idea talking about bold predictions give us three bold predictions for 2018 go spencer where i scores kareem hunt for the kansas city chiefs <laughs> what oh, <come. laughs> are you serious are you crazy oh my god Trying to lock down two players to see what we can do here. I've never had a guest less prepared than you. Derek Henry is the top scoring running back in the NFL. I'm on a bouncy ball. Look, look at me riding. I'm riding Derrick Henry. Woohoo! Look at me. Look, I'm on a yoga ball. Look at the monitor. Just when I thought I couldn't be more disappointed in you, you come back and totally redeem yourself. Last one. Let's go for a player that's going to really uh, suck in 2018. Are you having a stroke? No, I have another. No, I have a good one. Uh, Allen Robinson's a, a top eight wide receiver in 2018. Is that not top seven, but top eight? You're fine with top eight, but not top seven. <laughs> and you would never say top six, but top eight, you're comfortable. It's very bold. You're, you're comfortable in your boldness. He's the comeback player of the year. Yeah, that's it. I love it. Allen Robinson will be the comeback player of the year. I share that bold prediction with you. I will share that bold prediction with you. Now, what about last year's coldest take? Who were you most wrong about? Oh, I think we can probably uh, fit into agreement on this one too. I don't know. Uh, you know, there's a, a young man who actually just uh, is after getting himself uh, a ring after winning. Uh, <laughs> you need to edit this. You need to edit this. I need to go back. <laughs> What the fuck is wrong with you? Are you sure you're not having a stroke? <laughs> I'm trying to think of something else. Uh, there's a young man who uh, got himself all the way to the Super Bowl this year, but didn't do it in the way we expected it to happen. That man is Kenny Britt, who signed a monster contract this offseason with the Cleveland Browns and pr- proceeded to just really, um, you know, kind of impersonate a footballer. I don't think season. it was a monster contract. I think the theme of last year's free agent wide receiver class is Last year was the year of the inexpensive free agent wide receiver. None of the wide receivers that signed in free agency last year commanded a lot of money. It was bizarre. 
Did you think uh, it was value for money for the Cleveland Browns? No, it wasn't value, but it wasn't like he signed some monster contract like Indomitian Sue. No, well, that was that was the highest contract in the NFL at the time. I stand by Sashi Brown. That was a smart signing, but it didn't work out. Clearly, 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 clearly didn't work out. Clearly didn't work out, and uh, the Browns were the terrible decision then to get rid of Sashi Brown and to, to keep Hugh Jackson so another under the radar mistake by Bill Belichick not activating Kenny Britt imagine if they had Kenny Britt out there instead of <laughs> Philip Dorsett in the Super Bowl Tom Brady could have used Kenny Britt on the field another tactical blunder by one Bill Belichick so we talked about Sashi Brown and now his successor John Dorsey loves talking to the media about the players he likes and the players he doesn't like. And I don't understand this. I I don't understand why general managers talk about how they feel about players to sports media outlets. It makes absolutely no sense. Why would you ever say a single positive thing about a player you like publicly? It would be irrational to do so. And therefore, I give no weight to any positive remarks about players shared by members of NFL front offices because they are only incentivized to lie. What am I missing? It's, it's the exact same as when you talk about a head coach and, you know, before a game, and that the player will play or won't play. A lot of the time, it's just absolute garbage. So I tend not to pay a lot of attention to what they're saying and coach speak terms. So it's the same with GM, same with pretty much anyone involved in front offices, like you mentioned. And, you know, if you're saying that you really like a player, it's just going to pump up his value. It's like, you know, I even thought over the last week, we've seen like players from the Denver Broncos readily come out and say that they want to see the team sign Kirk Cousins. And, you know, Vaughn Miller has said it and a, a number of other guys there. And I think, they should just keep their mouth shut because there's more chance of them him signing with them if they... Ooh, keep their mouth shut. Whoa, Colm Kelly telling <laughs> Vaughn Miller, of all people, to Vaughn keep Miller. his mouth shut on the Roto Underworld Radio program. Wow. Share your address so that uh, Vaughn Miller knows where to find you, will you? Um, Ireland. I just live in Ireland. Yes, Vaughn Miller is stalking up and down the <laughs> Irish coast looking for one Colm Kelly. <laughs> Yeah, just I'm just going to get out of town now and uh, hide hide in a little doomsday bunker to try and stay away from Vaughn Miller. Vaughn, I didn't mean it uh, in that sort of way. You're but... really brave talking on a fantasy football podcast about one of the most terrifying human beings in the history of human beings. It's uh, a pretty bad, pretty bad strategy on you know wanting to live a long life, but <laughs> he shouldn't be saying in the media that he wants to uh, wants to sign the player because it's just going to pump up his value. That's what tends to happen. I think in any situation like that, we should be uh, helps uh, nobody. Helps nobody. So GM say it, um, coaches say it. Uh, I don't tend to believe a lot about it. So I, the only time I think that a GM really tries to talk positively about a player is when he's actually looking to trade him away. So you know if it's a, a situation. You know, we're talking about a player like Jordan Matthews who has moved in season. We might see somebody saying, oh, yeah, Jordan Matthews looking really good in training camp, really doing well, catching all the balls. Love having him in the building. Oh, yeah. Great team player. We love Jordan Matthews. Yeah, he really appreciate his contribution. Invaluable player for us, Jordan Matthews. Oh, yes. Team leader. That's our way. That's the only time that you... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The locker room won't be the same without Jordan Matthews. Yeah. And then we'll just trade him for, for whatever we can get. So that that's what I, I tend to find is the, the real truth where you get the, the GM trying to move on the player. We, we hear a lot of positivity around that. Yeah, they'll say that moments before they trade Jordan Matthews for a seventh rounder and a backup guard. If I were an NFL general manager, I would happily talk to members of the sports media, reporters, radio hosts about the 2018 NFL draft prospects. And I would have a short list of players 
that I tout across all these channels, and I would only talk about and tout the players I had absolutely no intention of drafting whatsoever. Like, you know, I would never consider drafting Josh Allen in the first round if I were an NFL general manager. So therefore, I would then go on on the sports media platform with the widest reach and just list all the positive attributes I could think of about Josh Allen. Just a naked misinformation campaign. That's what I would conduct if I were an NFL general manager. And that's what all NFL general managers are incentivized to do. Therefore, you should not listen to any reports reporting with certainty the preferences of a particular NFL team's front office. Fuck out of here. <laughs> so that was a lesson I've learned recently. Is there a lesson that you learned last year in 2017 that you think will make you a better analyst this season? Uh, one of the things I've really tried to dig into account over the last couple of years, and you know, I, I had this kind of the last two or three years, but I think it's good information for anyone that's listening. Is when you're, you know, maybe we have a, our takes in the off season. I think sometimes when we're listening, if you're listening to podcasts, listening to Matt, listening to me, sometimes I might have a player like Kenny Britt, and you might like Kenny Britt too, Matt, and we all start to talk about Kenny Britt, and then just because we're talking about him, uh, the echo chamber, the echo chamber starts to go, and next thing this player starts to drive up the draft boards, but. If the player's a value, you know, in the eighth round, or maybe he isn't a value when he's up into the fifth round, it's, you know, you have, but what I, what my main point is, is if you like a player, dive into the information and the stats behind it. Use sites like Rotoviz or Roto Underworld and look into it to see if what you like about the player is actually backed up or if it's just the figment of your imagination from maybe watching them on a highlight reel catch two or three passes. You need to dive into the information behind it and have the stats to back it up because it's easy to say, you know, a certain player, you know, had a great game, you know, to finish the season. He's going to be great this year, but that's not the way it works out. You need to have a, you know, a kind of a long-term sustained plan and a sustained success. So I think it's important to keep your kind of, I guess we'll call it the process to really dive into those players, whether it's a player that you really like or a player you really don't like. I have had a lot of players that maybe come June, I'm not all that high on, but if somebody you know comes on my show and pumps them up and talks about them, I'll go off after the show, look a little bit more into it, and maybe sometimes I'll uh, you know reassess my balance on that player. And a lot of times that there is a, a key that I think you just have to take as many perceptions or perspectives into it as you can, but then dive into it and uh, take your formulate your own plan after that. So your advice for fantasy gamers is research players. I think that's a good piece of advice, but I think you kind of hit on the echo chamber. <laughs> the echo chamber is getting lighter and lighter. <laughs> Give us an example of a player that you were locked into a preconceived notion on at some point last offseason, and then you became woke by new analysis that was shared on your podcast, for example. I'll go down through these names. I'm going to have to take a time to see. So you can't think of one example. We're left to assume, Colm, at this point, that everything you just said was just a fraudulent filibustering. That's 12 months ago. I would, uh, I would say the first one would have been Lamar Miller. I was quite high on Lamar Miller at uh, one point in my life and uh, I was uh, made made to regret that who enlightened you I can't remember it's a long time ago (laughs) to Lamar Miller's imperfections I can't remember you can just say my name it was uh, Matt Kelly I'm fishing for a compliment without really fishing. Actually, I'm not even fishing. It's like I'm commercial fishing. I have these giant <laughs> nets behind my boat. 
I'm scooping you up in a net and, and I'm forcing you to compliment me and remind the Roto Underworld Radio audience that I was right about Lamar Miller all along. Lamar Miller is a fake bell cow. You can say that. You can say, I learned from listening to Matt Kelly that Lamar Miller is a fake bell cow. You can say that. I learned from listening to Matt Kelly that uh, Lamar Miller is a fake bell cow. Yes, that's right. That's right. I'm going to cut that up. We'll put that on repeat in the outtakes. Over and over. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's what repeat. I'll be I'll be honest. So, another one that uh, I did really look into a lot more, actually. Oh, this is what you're doing because you didn't prepare for the show. When I filibuster, I give you time to go scroll through literally the entire database of players so you could finally stimulate a thought, jog your memory. Something has been stimulated. A, a neuron is firing, Colm. Share it with us. I think you're going to really jump out of your seat when I, when I say this one. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. Uh, Mr. Devin Funches. Yes! 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 How did you feel about Devin Funches early last season, before your process? Uh, when it was uh, probably June, I, I wasn't all that big on him. Uh, wasn't a huge fan. Thought he was just... Even though he's big. He's big, but I wasn't a, a big fan of his. And uh, obviously with him and, and Benjamin there, I just I wasn't really buying into it. And uh, we had an, an, enlightening, an enlightening conversation that uh, turned me on to Mr. Funches. Matt Kelly, Matt Kelly helped guide you to the truth about Devin Funches and Lamar Miller. You're welcome. You are welcome. Now, taking these lessons and spinning them forward, who is your way too early value play? That guy that you can already tell you'll be valuing higher than his projected ADP this season. Oh my God! You don't have an answer for any of my questions. <laughs> who did you? Uh, who did I say before the show? Why do I even write show sheets? What good is it? I might as well masturbate. I'd be much better off. At least I'd be more relaxed for these shows, less uptight. It's useless. You personify the unprepared radio guest. And to help give you as much time as possible to mine an answer, I will give you one. Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder has been dismissed as just a guy. Even though last year, we expected Jamison Crowder to threaten high-end WR2 status as a volume slot receiver in that offense, and it didn't happen. But it actually did happen. It just didn't happen in the first half. In the second half, Jamison Crowder posted one, two, three, four, five, six, seven double-digit performances in PPR leagues for Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder is the number one receiver in that passing game. It's not Josh Doxson, and he's a much better fit with Alex Smith throwing the ball in and around the line of scrimmage. The low target depth throws that Alex Smith specializes in align perfectly with Jamison Crowder's route tree. So if you looked at a heat map of where Jamison Crowder catches the football and where Alex Smith likes to throw the football, they're perfectly aligned. So I believe that Jamison Crowder will carry over his strong second half and have a full season of production and become that high-end WR2 we thought he would be last year in 2018. There's absolutely no way you still need more time. If you don't have an answer at this point, I'm going to call the ambulance and have them come to your house because something's wrong.
Uh, my, my answer will be uh, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, for the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, I was very impressed with what he did in his rookie season. Good one. Yes, finally. Wow. We had like a one of those monitors to monitor your heart rate and your brain activity. <laughs> you would start to see movement on the screen now. We're an hour into the show, Colm. We're finally seeing some activity on the monitor. I'm so glad you're here with us. And neurons are firing for the first time in the show. Please, Colm, please, please tell us. Well, uh, you know, if you look at him. Uh, Talk to us, Colm. Talk to us about this player that you like. Finally. The rookie season uh, really came on strong in the second half. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster. Yes. 33 receptions on the season, over 500 yards, the five touchdowns. I was, I thought overall just his general play as an NFL player was extremely good uh, you know wide receivers it's not going to get us anything in fantasy football but his blocking ability uh, was very very high too which is something you don't really see with a rookie coming in and uh, again it makes me feel very old uh, a very young rookie by the way he was 20 years old born in 1996 makes me feel uh, a little, <laughs> is that unbelievable know. he was born in 1996 so he's gonna be 22 in, uh, in november so uh, still gonna be 21 pretty much for the the majority of this upcoming season put it this way juju smith schuster only knows justin timberlake for his solo work for his super bowl appearance <laughs> juju smith schuster has no idea what in sync is that's how young juju smith schuster is he has no idea that justin timberlake was ever in a band so if we look at his uh, ADP at this point in time, uh, it's obviously very, very early, but that's the whole point of this. Uh, he's going just outside the top 100 picks, so he'll be going late uh, ninth round, uh, early 10th round, and I think that will climb up as the season gets closer, but uh, somebody who just really, really impressed me in, in his rookie season. What do you think about this name for the show, Colm? Juju Smith-Schuster in sync. That could be, could be it. Because we're finally in sync, you and me. You're finally answering my fucking questions. <laughs> we're in tune and in sync. We now have rapport. Now that finally we're getting some brain activity coming through your microphone and registering in my recording software. I mean, this is great. I'm having a great time. We're an hour in, and now we're actually doing a show. That's great. So... Now that I have you here, finally, I want to ask you about this upcoming free agent class because that is going to be the focus after the Super Bowl. The fantasy analysts immediately turn their gaze toward the free agent class. It becomes the signature talking point of mid to late February. So take your time. I know you might need many minutes to pull this list because you're completely unprepared, but, but I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot. I ask you a question to, that requires you to provide analysis on a number of players. This is a Hail Mary at this point <laughs> based on your performance on the show so far. Thanks. But I'm going to give it a shot anyway. Low probability throw. This is a low probability question. Fuck it. I'm going for it. Give me the top three free agent quarterbacks and your preferred landing spot for each. I didn't go with my uh, top three. I went with the three that I expect to move into or where they're going to land up. That's fine. Just you, you just don't, please say that. That's good. That's good. Give us your favorite free agent quarterbacks and where you believe they will land in free agency. We have Kurt Cousins. Uh, I think he's going to end up with the Denver Broncos. Kirk Cousins is a free agent? He's going to be a free agent. <laughs> I know, I know. Where do you think Case Keenum will go? Going to stay with the Minnesota Vikings. And the third quarterback? The third quarterback is uh, Mr. Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles. 
and uh, I think he's going to end up with the uh, the Buffalo Bills. So of those three landing spots, which is your favorite? Um, I actually uh, quite like um, the Nick Foles one if it did come to fruition to go to the Buffalo Bills. What? I think he would fit in quite quite well there. Yeah, I think so. Who is he going to throw to? Charles Clay? I, I think they're going to make some moves as well in free agency at the wide receiver position as well as in the draft. And I don't think Zay Jones is as bad as you probably think he is. Zay Jones has nowhere to go but up. I'm a Zay Jones buyer because I always buy previous year inefficiency. And Zay Jones was the most inefficient wide receiver of all time (laughs) in 2017. Okay, give me your top five free agent running backs and their likely landing spots. Well, we have Le'Veon Bell. Um, I don't know where you think he's going to end up. I think he might uh, slot in there with the uh, unfortunately inefficient Indianapolis Colts that we mentioned earlier on. Le'Veon Bell to the Colts. I like it. Hot. Keep it going, Colm. Keep it going. I wanted to do something that aren't just the uh, average, you know, that everyone thinks is going to happen. So No, that's good. I like that. I like that. The Colts would go out and overpay a running back after getting jilted by Josh McDaniel. So now that they're tilting, of course, they'll go out and overpay a free agent running back. That makes perfect sense. I think you're going to like the next one. I can't wait. I I will wait because it'll take you seven minutes to spit it out, but go ahead. It's uh, Jerry McKinnon. I think he's uh, heading down there to the bay, down to the the San Francisco 49ers. The little spirals in my eyes. You see those little spirals in my eyes? Yeah. I think I think it's a, a great fit going down there to, to Jimmy G. He obviously filled in well for Dalvin Cook uh, after week four. He had 991 yards from scrimmage, uh, easily his career best. But much of that was a, a pass-catching role for him. He had 51 receptions, 421 yards. I think he would fit into that offense uh, quite nicely, both as a, as a potential runner and then obviously as a, as a receiver. I was surprised. Jarek McKinnon only posted five breakaway runs last season, but that's because most of his splash plays came on screen not on handoffs his yards per carry was only 3.8 so based on that I don't think that Jarek McKinnon's ultimate landing spot team will view him as an every down back so wherever Jarek McKinnon goes based on his production last season and his entire career in the NFL so far I believe he will be signed to be a satellite back somewhere but I have very little confidence that he will be bequeathed an every down role in the NFL in 2018. I just don't see that happening. But if you are going to be a satellite back plus on a particular offense, I'd like it to be the San Francisco 49ers that you believe will make the playoffs a la the Rams in 2017. Yep. Who's next? Next up is the man that's leaving San Francisco's Carlos Hyde. Um, You know, he had a bit of a lousy situation last year, but he you know, I think he's still going to get paid quite well this season. He didn't have a great, uh, you know, efficiency rating. One of the the least efficient running backs in the NFL last year, based on his opportunities. But I don't think the Forty Nine ers going to pay him based on that. But a team I think will be willing to pay him and probably overpay him is uh, the New York Jets. I think he didn't really fit into Kyle Shanahan's offense, but I think they're going to try and place him in there alongside Bilal Powell and cut ties with uh, Matt Forte. Fantasy points per opportunity last season for Carlos Hyde, 0.72, number 77 among qualified <laughs> running backs. That's as bad as it gets. And we talk about how much we love Kyle Shanahan, that he feeds the running back. And sure enough, Carlos Hyde, 59 receptions last season, 88 targets, top five of the NFL for Carlos Hyde. Exceptional. Just shattering expectations in the passing game for Carlos Hyde. The problem? He had a 16% drop rate. That was number two among qualified running backs and only a 67% catch rate. The running back depth of target is always very low. 
And the lower the depth of target, the higher the catch rate needs to be. If your catch rate is lower than a wide receiver's, then that represents a significant misallocation of resources by the offense. If Kyle Shanahan is such a genius, why is he targeting an inefficient running back with bad hands, who's neither nimble nor electric in space? Riddle me that, Colm. I don't have the answer for you on that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Who's next? You're clearly multitasking and not paying attention to the show. So I am paying attention. You're not prepared and you're not paying attention and you're not efficient in your information lookup. This may be the least efficient show we've ever had. It's certainly the most dead air I've ever had on a podcast. I'm going to edit out the dead air for the people, but you and I know how much dead air there was and you should be embarrassed. That's a nice thing to say. I don't think there was too much dead air. That was only three. I know I said five earlier. No way we're getting five out of Colm Kelly. We're going straight to wide receivers. Give us your top three free agent wide receivers and their most likely landing spots. I've uh, Alan Robinson, the Kansas City Chiefs, are the 49ers, and the reason I have it split in half is because I have another guy, and that is Sammy Watkins. To this, I, I think one of them will end up on both of those teams. I think, obviously, I'd rather have Alan Robinson out of the two of them, but I think... Uh, Sammy Watkins, I think the ability is still there. I still like uh, what he did, although he only... Allen Robinson to the Chiefs? Yep. Allen Robinson to the Chiefs with with Patrick Mahomes? Yes. <laughs> because you know about my affinity for Patrick Mahomes. There's a chance that Patrick Mahomes' weapons on the outside are Tyreek Hill and Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson, the prototypical NFL X receiver, and Tyreek Hill, the prototypical NFL stretch Z receiver, with Travis Kelsey at tight end and Kareem Hunt catching passes out of the backfield. That may be the most explosive weaponry a quarterback has ever enjoyed at the NFL level. Oh my God. Well, I like like it, and I think either him or Sammy will end up over there with the Chiefs. One of them will end with the 49ers. So we want Sammy Watkins to go to the 49ers. What does that mean for that 49ers passing game if Sammy Watkins lands in San Francisco? I think, uh, you know, if you look at this year, the situation with Marquise Goodwin, Goodwin is not a wide receiver one, which Sammy Watkins can be. I think both of those would fit well. As In 2015, Sammy Watkins demonstrated true number one wide receiver skill set by being both productive and efficient as the focal point of the passing game. Yeah. So I agree with you. Sammy Watkins has the ability to be a true NFL number one receiver. That would move Marquise Goodwin to a stretch Z position, just like Tyreek Hill. And then that would also slide Pierre Garçon into the slot, which I think is the ideal role for him at age 32 
coming off a neck injury. I love it. I love Sammy Watkins to the 49ers and the talent configuration that would afford Jimmy Garoppolo. That's the the first two. And then the the next one up, I have uh, Marquise Lee. And that's obviously the situation with Allen Robinson moving away from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have him staying in Jacksonville with D.D. Westbrook. Uh, and you know, I have an interesting one for you here if we're looking uh, a pass wide receiver. That's another interesting talent configuration where you have D.D. Westbrook as a stretch X. You have Marquise Lee as a volume flanker playing the Z position full-time running intermediate routes. And then you have Keelan Cole as the full-time slot receiver there. I like that, Cole. I like where your head's at. The last 20 minutes of the show, after you turned your brain on, we've had a real mind meld. And uh, I want to make it a little bit more interesting for you. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they'll also get themselves a little bit of tighter effort uh, at the tight end position because that's somewhere they really need to upgrade. And if they get a quarterback... What about A.J. McCarron? Does he stay in Cincinnati, or could Jacksonville acquire A.J. McCarron? That would be an upgrade over Blake Bortles. It would be an upgrade, but I, I don't really. It would be an upgrade, but I don't really. Uh, I don't really care that much about uh, A.J. With A.J. McCarron under center, the Jacksonville Jaguars would be a Super Bowl favorite. With A.J. McCarron under center, the Jacksonville Jaguars would be a Super Bowl favorite. That is, that's a, that's a hot take. Why don't, I, why don't we just end on that? I always close on a blistering hot take. Because we're finally in sync, you and me. You're finally answering my fucking questions. Woohoo! Look at me! Like I'm on a yoga ball! Uh, Are you having a stroke? Spencer Ware outscores Kareem Hunt for the Kansas City Chiefs. Sorry, suckers. I've run out of recording space on my computer, so I didn't have an opportunity to get the truther question that I always ask into the show because you meandered through all these questions for so long. So with my auxiliary taping, please let the audience know who you qualify for truther status on. I think Alan Robinson. He's probably going to be my uh, hot take for... That doesn't count as a truther. Everyone knows Alan Robinson is elite when healthy and paired with competent quarterback play. You are failing across the board. Jordan Matthews. Jordan Matthews, great answer. I think there's a, a huge uh, bounce back coming for him. If you look at what he did in his first couple of years in the league, and uh, his first two seasons, pretty much one of the, the most productive uh, wide receivers in his first two years prior to what we've seen, obviously, with Odell Beckham and now with uh, Michael Thomas. So I, I think we'll see him probably move on from the, the Bills here in free agency, but I think there's a nice upside coming and I think a lot of people have uh, kind of forgotten about him or else they think he sucks even hardcore Jordan Matthews enthusiasts have finally soured on Jordan Matthews which means this is the time to buy Jordan Matthews in Dynasty Leagues for two reasons the fact that Jordan Matthews was a member of that epic 2014 wide receiver class diminished his value because we compare him relative to the other wide receivers in that class but if you imagine Jordan Matthews was a member of literally any other wide receiver class 
then his rookie year and his sophomore year would be so much more impressive in the context of any other wide receiver class. He almost reached a thousand yards as a rookie. Think about how amazing that would be in the context of last year's rookie wide receiver class. There is this smoldering lack of appreciation for Jordan Matthews based strictly on the year he was drafted. And then after two successful seasons, what happens? He hurts his knee and he tries to play through it for two seasons. He played through an injured knee. He should have had surgery in 2016, Colm, but he finally had surgery this past season. And I think he comes back healthy for the first time since the 2015 season and shatters all expectations for his production. Sorry about the uh, lack of preparation that was done for this one. Don't make me look like an absolute asshole, though, for not knowing all this stuff. You know how this works. Whatever happens, we embrace it, and we turn it into the theme of the show, and we make it fucking amazing. The last time, it was the pronunciation. The theme of this show is Unprepared Colm Kelly. Because Colm Kelly is the quintessential professional podcaster. Anyone that's ever been a guest on a Roto Underworld on a Rotoviz program knows that you are a picture of professionalism. And so for you to come on this show and be the most unprepared guest that has ever graced these airwaves, I mean, that is a story in and of itself. That is compelling and that will be the theme. You know I'm gonna elongate the silence, not reduce it. You know, we're going to add Jeopardy sound effects. I have cricket sound effects. It's going to be good. Trust me. Just don't make it look too bad. Benching Malcolm Butler, not for the first quarter, not for the first half, for the entire game. Fuck Bill Belichick. I mean, fuck. Overpromise, underdeliver. That's what we like to do. But like Jeff Jonas. <laughs> he hasn't promised anything. He's the most humble player in the National Football League. The most deserving of stardom. I, my favorite moment of Jeff Jonas in his entire career was uh, that Arizona Cardinals game, the, the touchdown. No matter what he does the rest of his life, I'll, uh, I'll love him for that. Uh, I lied to you. It's actually uh, $93.62 on Amazon. 90, 90 how much? $93. Not 92 not 94 huh? What? Oh, fuck off. You're trying to be very funny. <laughs> you have to mention that on the show because that got a lot of legs. You know, I'm very snobby. You know, if you're like me down at the bottom of the food chain trying to get a couple of bucks. <laughs> I'm very snobby. You're up at the top of the chain, you see? That's what it is. What did I say on a show? I called myself an apex predator. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> like, this is the thing, like, the podcast producing is I don't remember saying these things. And then I laugh out loud listening to it back. I'm laughing at myself. My wife is, like, rolling her eyes in the other room. My mind is racing to the next point or just trying to execute what I'm saying. And I'm not really digesting exactly, see what I'm saying? Like, what's happening in the moment. I find what, I think probably what you have is like, when I watch certain TV shows, I love to watch the villain. And I love to be like, yeah, I would love to say what that person just said. But I think sometimes then you're on the show and then you just let it go. <laughs> you just play that villain in real life. <laughs> 
I was able to draft Deshaun Watson and Cooper Cup in the fourth round of these rookie drafts. <laughs> so somehow, some way, I end up overweight on Deshaun Watson and Cooper Cup. We're not allowed to talk about Alvin Kamara, and we're not allowed to talk about Todd Gurley. I scroll through literally the entire database of players so you could finally... On YouTube, just find the videos of mine that have more down than up. <laughs> this one's good. This one has 13 down, 3 up. The Eagles will not make the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. <laughs> yeah, there's not this like super rational person out there with his thumb like uh, horizontal, like Tony Reale, right? Thinking, uh, pretty good argument. Uh, missed a few arguments there. Uh, really didn't address the counterpoint. Uh, not sure. Unfalsifiable hypothetical. Didn't like that. <laughs> Uh, well, did point out the counterfactual on, on this particular aspect of the argument. Uh, I gotta go thumbs down, right? Th that guy doesn't exist. It's just emotional people banging off of one another. I imagine them all shirtless, too. I imagine everyone watching these videos shirtless. This is why did you upload this video? <laughs> why did you upload this video? <laughs> That's the first comment. Then the next one is... Do you think he should only up videos where he is correct and pretend like he never gets anything wrong? So you've one supporter anyway. I actually take that back. In these communities, there is this one voice of reason typically that puts his toe in the water. But then the next one is glad you posted this shows transparency and honesty. It goes on then. And then the next one says, I'm glad he posted this. Uh, people are wrong. Sometimes it's okay. The next one, uh, you people really think everyone can get every take correct. Come on now. You have a, a lot of support coming here. The, the next person has pondering and unsubscribe. <laughs> Here's the end of the comment. Ridiculous upload. Get your shit together. <laughs> <laughs> I found one that's right down the middle. Even Steven. You won't believe this. This video has 24 thumbs up, 24 thumbs down, and 24 comments. Because you have people that have been damaged, like Jets fans and Rams fans that are like, yeah! Then you have the, the, the Seahawks fans that are trying to, you know, see the, the glass half full, like, no! Yes! No! No! Yes! Yes! No! No! Yes! It's a bit like with uh, Trump and Clinton, when it was the, you know, everyone took a side kind of in the, in the politics. With the coach talk, though, I'm like the Green Party. The major parties all support the idea that coaches are the reason. Because if, if that goes away, then what are people going to talk about? Like, articles will vanish, narratives become obsolete, and many writers, especially in fantasy football, will, will just sit in front of their computer screens with a blank expression or sit in like an old-fashioned desk with a blank piece of paper and just stare at the blank piece of paper all day if they can't write about coaches and how much they matter. There's so many shit coaches in the league, and that's kind of the way to put it, the easiest way to put it, you know, that are really holding teams back. Uh, you know, if you look at the situation with the Titans, you know, there's a good number of teams around the league. Do you not feel the same way that the coaches are holding the team back rather than pushing them forward? Like we've seen, for example, Doug, P Doug Peterson here in the Super Bowl. Coaches can't win the game for you, but they can lose it for you. Uh, 100%. 100%.
I think it's close between McCarthy and Hugh Jackson, who's the worst coach, and it's it's one of those two. I guarantee you there were so many people disappointed that the Eagles won on Sunday around the NFL because they went for it in fourth down, and that's not the go-to scenario for the majority of the teams. They want to stay with the, the kind of old style that they're used to rather than push for change. The which non-running back biggest surprise? Try not to go Adam Thielen. That's a little that's a little too easy. We're trying to we're trying to challenge the mental capacity of our guests and our audience slightly slightly stimulate the audience a little bit more than with Adam Thielen they've been banged over the head with Adam Thielen all season I wasn't surprised no but most people say Adam Thielen if it's the generic answer but a lot of people are surprised the generic fantasy analyst is going to say Adam Thielen there nine times out of ten yeah well that was well Deshaun Watson was the one that surprised me the most that's a great one that's a great one the argument is is it an outlier or is it real you don't trade a player until you know where he's going to play. It's too nebulous. Just in a cloud of uncertainty, the advantage you have of listening to the OTI podcast and going to playerprofiler.com is an information advantage. So why would you see the information advantage? Colm Kelly telling Vaughn Miller, of all people, to keep his mouth shut on the Roto Underworld radio program. Wow! Holy shit, they did come back! Whoa! There's nothing happening that Saturday. Move it to Saturday. Problem solved. Exactly. Thankfully, this was another one. I'm sure we're going to get a a Super Bowl coming up very shortly that really stinks. Cheer up, buddy. Cheer the fuck up. Exactly. Patriots Dynasty's over! It's over! It's all over. Exactly. Well, uh, Mr. Hindsight, thanks for uh, letting me know about that. Fucking over, Colm. Way over. Fuck Bill Belichick. Exactly. What's the word for when you a bride leaves a, a groom on the on the altar? Uh, uh, uh. Is Josh McDaniels a douchebag? Hey, Josh, we're over here. Look at us over in Indianapolis getting ready for uh, 2018, getting ready for the season. It looks like Josh McDaniels could potentially, after next season, take over from Bill Belichick. No! No! Do you realize what you're accusing the Patriots of doing? That would be unethical! In a Colts are a bunch of suckers. Sorry, suckers. It's over. Exactly. The only problem with Rebirth is it sounds a little bit like Afterbirth. And you don't want afterbirth. That's the last thing anyone ever would want. I grew up on a farm. The cows would have calves. That was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen is the afterbirth on the ground with the flies all over it after a calf has been born. I'm getting very hungry now as you talk. (laughs) I could use a burger right now. That's going in the outtakes. There's no way I would offend the listener with something that overtly disgusting in the actual show, but I'm happy to put that in the outtakes. Exactly. A five-year-old Matt Kelly frolicking in the pasture and stumbling upon cow afterbirth. Mommy, what's this? (laughs) Looked, looked, looked like he lost a step. Exactly. 
Player X last year had a really efficient season and uh, had a huge outlay, but uh, Player X I think could do that this year, uh, but he's going to have to do it on a bigger workload and less uh, efficiency around that. Player X was the signature league winner of 2017. Sorry, suckers. Exactly. Player fucking X. <laughs> I loved Alvin Kamara last summer. Thought we weren't allowed to talk about Alvin Kamara. I still feel it's a lot of rules. I can't believe I said Kamara after we did the whole Player X bit. I'm so bad at comedy. You can just say my name. That was uh, Matt Kelly. Lamar Miller is a fake bell cow. Exactly. I learned from listening to Matt Kelly that uh, Lamar Miller is a fake bell cow. I learned from listening to Matt Kelly that uh, Lamar Miller is a fake bell cow. I learned from listening to Matt Kelly that uh, Lamar Miller is a fake bell cow. That was five running backs? Three, I thought you said. Three quarterbacks, five running backs, five receivers. You only have three? I have five, but I... I'll only do three. No, no. No, I'll edit this. We're going to put this in the outtakes. We may have 30 minutes of outtakes. I feel like this whole show is just one big outtake at this point. Exactly. It's certainly the most dead air I've ever had on a podcast. I'm going to edit out the dead air for the people. But you and I know how much dead air there was, and you should be embarrassed. Exactly. And it is my fault, and I will put this in the outtakes. So for the record, I sent you the show sheet two hours before the show, which was also unprofessional. I typically send the show sheet 24 hours ahead of time. I did not give you adequate time to prepare. I set you up to fail. It's my fault. And that comment will never be heard by anyone That'll never make it to the outtakes. Now, I have final cut. I know. That's the problem. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You can just say my name. That was uh, Matt Kelly.